Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, turn it, turn your Bible. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Mark in chapter six? And this uh, this scripture, go go with me, family. Uh, but this this scripture is one that m- most of us here in this room will be familiar with. And it comes after the story of the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus. It comes after an incredible miracle of healing, an incredible miracle. Um, of, of the dead being raised to life. And then we find Jesus here. In verse one, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Say Amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, son of Mary, brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon. And the sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended. They were deeply offended and they refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told, him a prof- told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal him. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Tonight, I really want to talk about the power of an offended mind. Yay! <laughs> Sunday night. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. You know, the power of an offended mind. So get ready, fam. Doesn't it? And so here we see Jesus and he goes to his hometown. Like, you know what it is if you've lived away from home. I don't know if, if you go through this, but I'm like, I'm a grown woman. I'm married and I have a baby now. But when I go home, I am my mother's daughter, (laughs) right? And I'm not saying there's dishonor in my home, but I know when I go home, I know I have to do the daughter things. I'm not the boss. And it's it's kind of that same thing where sometimes the, the, the people who we are most familiar with, sometimes that's the hardest place, right? Sometimes that's the place of the deepest offense, that the deepest offense comes from those who are closest to us. And we deeply offend, most of the time, those who are closest to us. And so, uh, yeah, here's what I think God's gonna do tonight. I think um, as I'm speaking, I've, I just sense the Spirit of God saying that he's, he's going to, and as many people who are open, that he's going to just bring up situations in your mind as I'm speaking. And as those situations come up in your mind, that everyone here will react differently. For some in the room, you might get emotional. That's okay. For others in the room, it's going to be an aha moment. Oh, that's why I'm so mad. Oh, 
That's why I can't stand the sight of that person. Ah, oh, that's why I don't like people. And I come to church late and leave early. Right? As much as I want to like people, I really don't like them. And I just call myself an introvert. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Introverts are so harassed all the time. Introverts are amazing. I know that because I'm one. And I like people. Anyway, that God's going to bring up these situations. And I invite you as you do, as, as, as those situations come to mind, I invite us all in this place to ensure that we don't put them to the side but that we allow the Spirit of God to bring them to the front of our mind, to the front of our hearts, to the front of our spirit, to the front of our emotions, that he might have access to them. I pray that as he does that, we don't dismiss those things and say, no, 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 no. No, that's that's not, I don't want to think about that right now. But I pray we're brave tonight and we allow those situations to come forward this is a safe, safe place. And as, as we do, I just be reassured, God is gentle and he is kind. And he deals kindly with us. Yeah? So as the word says in verse 2, the next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Say amazed. Here's what the, the, uh, the Greek word amazed, it's translated to Ekplaso, and it comes from two root words, to move and to mold. To move and to mold. So when they saw Jesus doing these things, they were amazed. And something in their, there was an ability that something on the inside of them was able to be moved and to be molded into some kind of shape. What that shape was going to be, what that shape turns out to be, is entirely up to you. Entirely up to you. And so when we come into the house of God and we hear testimonies, I mean, come on, someone is debt free. That's legit. That is incredible. And this, I was sitting there like, that's amazing. And immediately after that, I was like, I'll take some of that, Jesus. (laughs) Right? But let's be honest, how many of us were like, well, how much debt was it? Was it, you know, I don't know, what's the life situation going on there? Mm, A bit sceptical about that. (laughs) Nervous laughter. Right? And like, I, I promise, I, I promise you tonight, I didn't do it to trick you all. But when, we, when we're going to pray for healing for others, come on, what's the things that comes to our spirit? Okay, yeah, we'll see what happens. Be healed. And really tonight, a symptom of an offended mind is when we lose our wonder. When we lose our wonder, I pray you never lose your wonder. When you walk into a place, when you walk into the house of God and we sing songs like that, oh, not for a minute, not for a minute, 
Was I forsaken? The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. 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 The healer is in this place. Right? I pray we never lose the wonder. Man, when I sing those words, or you know, when the man, that girl can sing. Dang. You know, when they sing the words, those words, the Lord is in this place. I pray we never lose our wonder. And if the wonder has been lost, I maybe think you may have been offended. I maybe think at some point, if there's at the at the worst you've been offended, at best you're familiar. At best, you're just familiar with this whole thing. And I pray we always lose our wonder when we become familiar with our freedom. We always lose our wonder when we become familiar with our salvation. Like that's a normal thing. That's a miracle. Well, I think so anyway. And I pray, you know, it says... So these, these people that saw the miracles, they weren't offended as in their feelings were hurt that Jesus was doing the miracles, but they were offended because they couldn't equate the Jesus that they knew had the ability to do miracles. They couldn't equate that in their mind. And because of that, there was, there, there was this thing, an offense, where it molded their hearts to not look more like God but it molded their hearts and their hearts became hardened. I pray, and I'll maybe ask you this question, what happens in your spirit to the unresolved questions? When you can't make sense of what's going on, when you, when you think, uh, if this is going on in my family and God says this, I don't know how it's gonna work out. If this is going on in my finances and this is what I'm, I know about God's character, but how is this all going to work together? If, if God is good and the truth is that he is a good father and he loves me and he would never leave me and never forsake me, then why do, why do I feel so alone? Why can't I get up out of bed? Why, why is it so hard when, when we can't, what happens to those unresolved questions? Right? I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to think about. Because if we, if, if we don't know how to resolve, or not resolve, if we don't know how to process those unresolved questions, they become mental stumbling blocks. And we, we, we actually don't have the ability to receive the miracle. And so here's, here's what I want to say. You know, to have questions about God, that's fine. That's healthy. I, can, I, can I say this? God's not afraid of your questions. He, he's God. <laughs> he's pretty robust. He's not afraid of our doubts. He's not afraid of our questions. But we can't hold God hostage to our questions. Which I think sometimes is what we can do. Not understanding is okay, but restricting our spiritual life to what we do understand, that's not. 
Not understanding, that's fine. We're human. His ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. But restricting all that we do only to what we understand, that's not okay. At best, it's spiritual immaturity. At worst, it's a controlling spirit. Cool. God responds to faith, but he won't surrender to our demands for control. I'm just, I just want to perhaps bring some clarity and some challenge. That sometimes we're asking God to move on our behalf, but please God, do it only the way I want you to do it. And when that happens, then we really do just like it, like it happened in Nazareth, we really do stop the flow of miracles. And I, I only know this because of my own journey. And I, and I guess I'm sharing this with you all tonight because there were so many questions over the weekend. And people uh, who are familiar with my story will know. But the question really was, how? How, how did you forgive your dad? How? I don't, I don't understand how that can be where you came from, but, but, but you forgave him. How did that happen? And there's probably many different ways, and a, there's a whole other message about forgiveness in there. But really, can I just say it was really hard? And I nearly gave up about seven million times. I nearly gave up hope that anything would change, if I'm really honest. But if there's one thing I know I did good, is that I just kept, and this is, this is the theme of my life, family, is I just kept surrendering. I don't understand, but I'll worship anyway. I don't understand, but I'll give anyway. I don't understand, but I'll show up to church anyway. I don't understand, but I'll serve anyway. I don't understand, but I'll sing anyway. I don't understand, but I'll open up my home anyway. I don't understand, but I'll share your word anyway. I don't understand, but I'll encourage anyway. I don't understand. I don't know how this is gonna work out. I wish you would do it, God, the way I want you to do it. But since you're not, what am I gonna do? I've got two choices, life or death. That's it. Oh, that you would choose life. Rather black and white tonight. That's why I wore this outfit. But if you squint, it's grey. Oh, guys, thanks for laughing at my jokes. If my husband was here, he would be cringing. <laughs> But it really is that black and white. And I know, I know sometimes that's hard to hear when there's emotion and there's trauma. But for me as a teenager, all I was looking for was black and white and the Bible gave it to me, life or death. Oh, that you would choose life. Okay, I don't understand, but I'm gonna go at it anyway. And so I pray tonight, I pray tonight that, you would, that your wonder would return. Hey team, can you come back on? 
I'm sorry, I didn't learn your names this time. Hello, you're the boss. What's your name? Paul. Give Paul a hand. He's got a great smile. I'm married. So are you. Verse 3, they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters. They just live here among us. Who is he? They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Psalm 108, and I think it's verse 25, says this, that they refused, the Israelites, they refused to enter the promised land because they didn't believe his promise to take care of them. They didn't enter the promise, not because of anything else, but they refused to believe that God would take care of them. Can I say this? That's what 400 years of slavery will do. That's what a long time in oppression can do. That's what a long time in pain It can make it really hard for you to believe that God will take care of you. Who was, who was that? Who was that? They refused to believe that Jesus could do the miracles. And they were offended. That word offended in the Greek, it, it means that it causes a person to distrust and desert one whom they ought to trust. That's what, if, that's what offense is. Where there's someone where you, sh- you should be able, you should trust them. But something's happened and you desert that trust. And I can't, I can't do that anymore. And even now, I just sense God really wanting to minister to some people in the room. And... Uh, And tonight I think there are I think there are actually quite a few people in the room who have been hurt and offended. More specifically, you've been hurt and offended by people inside the church. And they are people who you should have trust been able to trust, who you should have been able to go to. But things things have happened and it's turned into a big mess. This is very specific. And you've, you've, you've released them. You've released them from having to owe you something, an apology. You've released them. But there's still, there's still an anger. There's still... There's still like injustice in your heart. And it's caused you to lose your wonder. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you tonight, right now, just in the middle of this thing, God wants to minister to you. 
And I'd really like every eye to be closed because we're in the house of God, among the community and the people of God who are very human. And so right now, if that's you, you've lost your wonder, there's been an offence from inside the church. Would you just respond now in this moment? that God wants to bring a softening again, a softening to your heart, where you'll be able to release again and be healed again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just in this moment, just lift your hands or do whatever, do whatever. I declare healing right now in the name of Jesus, where there's been offence, where hearts have been hardened, where wonder has been lost. In Jesus' name, begin to soften hearts now. I pray, Spirit of God, that You would come like a soothing balm and just soothe over those hard places and begin to massage again those that your, your anointing and Your healing oil into those places. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Here's, uh, here's just one, just one. I'm going to throw this one in for free. Uh, you, oh, you can open your eyes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I've, I've been doing a, a bit of research and reading at the moment. Uh, I don't know, because it's winter time and that's kind of what I tend to do in winter. Um, but I've just been, I've been reading really around what it is to be the community of God really what it is to do kingdom community. And if you're a young adult, make sure you come hang out after the service because we're gonna talk more about that. But there's these statistics in the US that attendance in church is rapidly declining. And really in the past couple of decades, it's declined by 50%. People just not attending church anymore. But what's, what's happened is that it's not just church people aren't attending. People also aren't attending country clubs and bowling clubs and things like that. Robert Putnam is his name. He does, he's Harvard University, does this whole study on it. And what he says is that uh, people are, are pulling back from anything that requires any sort of commitment. Any sort of commitment, not just church, any sort of commitment. People are offended. Don't, don't wanna be a part of it. But really the, the, the most long-standing transformative discipleship tool, this is the theory in the United States is Alcoholics Anonymous. Which coincidentally, it started in the basement of a church in Ohio. Do you know what it was? Sat in the basement of a church where people would get some coffee, some bickies, and they would sit around the table and they would confess. Hi, my name is and last Tuesday I got drunk. In the New Testament, really the table signifies a lot, coming around the table. And in the New Testament, people would come around the table and they would confess. And it would be a place where they would confess to each other, where they would take communion and recommit to follow Jesus again. I grew up going to a Methodist church, woo! Absolutely fantastic. Loved it, loved it. And uh, you'd, there are some great memories I have. One great memory was that in our church, we used to do something called a love feast. 
Sounds weird, I know, but it's not. It is weird. It was weird at the time. And like the church service would happen like this and everyone would go out into the foyer. Wasn't a big church, maybe like 60, 60 people. Everyone would go out into the foyer and there'd be a table there. And on Love Feast Sunday, which was once a month, once a month, all of the families would bring a dish of food. And you know, Fijians, we like to eat. So there were like eight trestle tables full of food. And before we would eat, the pastor, the, the Methodist minister would stand there and he would say, before we celebrate our love feast, what we're going to do is we're going to have our time of confession. <laughs> and like, we were little kids, right? And so as kids, we were like, what is happening? And he would just wait. And we would have our time of confession. Do you know what would happen? We would watch our parents stand up and walk across the room and kneel at the feet of another couple and would say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the things that happened between our family this week. I'm so sorry for the things that we said. And all of us kids, we were like, get the drama, this is so much drama. And the kids were never allowed to do it, right? We just had to sit there and watch in anguish. We just wanted the food. But we watched this thing. And the first time, the first time we ever did it, I remember it took so long. But I don't remember ever having community like that. That's probably the most significant, the most tight-knit community I've ever been a part of. And we would do these love feasts and we would come around the table and we would confess and we would keep short accounts. But whenever anyone was in trouble, we knew, we knew we could go to the church family. We knew there was support there. We knew there was depth there. We knew we had walked together with some, through some hard things. And you know, I think about it now and I think, man, that's crazy. Imagine if we did that now. Can you imagine, Pastor John? Before we have cake and coffee after church, Let's have our time of confession. (laughs) People ringing their parents, you know. And I actually think it was just a beautiful thing. And it's not like a practice I think every church should do. Everyone should do their own thing, really. But what I do think is powerful is being able to address the offence being able to address where, th- where things have gone wrong, where it hasn't been okay. Because it says here, they were deeply offended and their deep offence had a great effect on their faith where they refused to believe. And the scripture ends that Jesus says, a prophet is honoured everywhere except his hometown. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do miracles among them. Here's what I know that miracles happen where there is an honouring of God and an honouring of others. That's where miracles happen. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.